Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. And welcome in to Poke the Bear, episode 10. We've made it 10 episodes. The show brought to you by BetUS. I'm Evan Marinovsky of CLNS Media, alongside host Connor Ryan. Connor, how are we doing? Evan, I'm doing stupendous. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Uh, let's. It's safe to say Thursday was a day of lots of news. Obviously, you know the day started with all that Bruins news, uh, and then it ended with our, you know the president of the United States getting COVID nineteen. Yeah, um, a couple of things went down. A couple of things happened. Uh, you know, just a few news items. Just a normal day. You know, well, normal day. Hey, you know. It's, you know, a good way to start October, right? It's just having a good complete news dump. So we'll see how it yeah. is whenever this drops on Saturday. So the only Boston takeaway from the, the Trump COVID-19 news uh, is that if you want to dump, if, if any of these sports teams want to just have an absolute news dump, you know, you're firing someone, you're hiring someone, you're trading someone. If the Bruins want to trade Rask, maybe right now is the right time because I was going to say the Reds like should have, the, the Sox should have just uh, bumped up their ticket prices right in the middle of it at like one thirty a.m. Yeah. Going into Friday morning. It'd be the perfect uh, the whole, time. The whole Red Sox organization, like, you know, get there's an alert that goes out like, oh, my God, there's bigger news than what we would do. <laughs> right. The raising ticket prices, everyone get up, everyone put out the press releases. Like, right. we're going to pretend this is serious. So, um, yeah, no, it just absolutely hectic, especially when that news broke of the COVID-19 test. It broke at, like, 1 in the morning. I'm sitting in bed. I was like, oh, you know what? Tonight's going to be a chill night. I'm going to watch some Netflix, you know fall asleep, whatever, wake up in the morning. And as I'm falling asleep, a friend sends me the news. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Um, so right at 1am, but the, the, the real unexpected stuff uh, was Bruins during the, the day. Per- the pertinent news is what we're The real news that we care about. Yes. No, uh, the, uh, but no, the, the focus to this podcast, the big news, the Bruins news, and nothing really happened. It was just a lot of kicking tires, trade rumor type things. Um, there was Oliver Ekman Larson news. There was Tuka Rask news. There was Andres Bjork and Alex Chason news. There was Jake DeBrusque news. There was a lot of news, and we will get into it all in this show. We will start with Oliver Ekman Larson because that feels like the most pertinent uh, thing to discuss. Uh, so basically, it was reported yesterday or Thursday uh, that uh, the Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks are on uh, Ekman Larson's trade list to where he would want to be traded. And, you know, Billy Armstrong's had conversations with the Bruins. Uh, the previous uh, administration in Arizona had conversations with Sweeney and the Bruins. Uh, so this sounds like it's not like kicking tires. This sounds like they're actually trying to get a deal done. Uh, just your initial reaction to that. Yeah, I mean, 
I think when we first talked about the Oliver Ekman Lawson trade rumors a few weeks ago, I think we kind of more or less dispelled it right in terms of we all know the risk in terms of the player, right? I mean, he's 29. He really hasn't uh, played at the level that you kind of saw from him back in, you know, 2012 through, you know, 2016, where, I mean, he was probably one of the more underrated, you know, defensemen in, in the NHL. You could make the case he could have, you know, warranted legitimate Norris trophy conversations, especially that I think that 2015 season, he had like 23 goals and was just a beast all across the ice for, for that team. Um, but then we, you know, you look at it and you would take on a, a player like him who's, again, 29. You don't really know what you're going to get for a guy of his age, especially where his numbers have been kind of on the downward slope. Plus, you add in the biggest issue, right, which is that contract, right? I mean, you're, you'd be taking on eight $8.25 million a year for the next seven years. So I think when we first looked at it, we're like, all right, well, uh, maybe he helps you out a little bit. You know, he's not a guy that – moves the needle if you're just hoping that he's going to be the same player he is right now in Arizona um, when you compare him to maybe a guy like Tory Krug doesn't really move the needle in terms of five and five offense uh, he's a better overall player obviously than, than Tory Krug he's not you know sheltered as much especially in the offensive zone but uh, for what that contract was gonna you know how that was gonna impact this Bruins team and um, you know going forward with uh, you know having to one keep cap space open to deal with guys further down the line, like, you know, Kahlo and uh, DeBrusque and McAvoy and all these guys this year and in the coming years. Plus the fact that the Bruins need more cap space this offseason if they want to get more, you know, top six guys or other ways to improve this team. It didn't seem like it was going to be worth it, but you look at all the kind of rumors and reports now, it seems, you know, it's not a, uh, a situation where it's, uh, you know, a, a tossed out, trade rumor. It seems like there's a lot of legitimate links between the Bruins and the Coyotes. And it seems as though both parties want to get something done. It's just, it's all going to come down to, and I think for a lot of people to verdict for it, if the Bruins pull off a trade to get Ekman Lassett, I don't think there's anyone who's going to be like, oh, this was a slam dunk. Like there's going to be, I think, concern regardless of, you know, what the return is. But I think from the Bruins perspective, it's all about uh, what concessions Arizona has to make here to make it a more palatable contract to take on because I don't think the Bruins are going to be thrilled as much as maybe they love Ekman Larson. Maybe they hope that he gets out of Arizona, which has been on the downward trend for a couple of years. He'd be leaving Rick Tockett's system, which seems like it, it's a place where, you know, talented playmakers go, their numbers, you know, plummet when they're in Rick Tockett's system. So um, I assume that's what the Bruins are hoping for if they get him, but still, I don't think they'd be too thrilled taking on that whole contract as is, especially where they have so many other things to deal with this off season. It comes down to how much the Bruins retain uh, or how much the Coyotes retain of Ekman Larson's salary. Uh, as you said, 8.25 million. If you have to eat that salary in full, if you're the Bruins, horrible trade. I don't care what you give up for mm-hmm. that amount of money for that player who looks to be on the downward trend at age, is he 29 or 30? He's 29. Yeah, he's 29. To be having this downward kind of trend he has going on right now for $8.25 million a year is not great. That's not what you want on your books until 2027. Um, if you can get Arizona to retain two, two and a half, maybe $3 million, and you're mm-hmm. only paying, you know, six or a little under six for Ekman Larson, then yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah. Like, th- that's a good deal, especially if you can get them to eat a contract like John Moore's. I don't know if they would do that if they were going to retain the money anyways, but mm-hmm. um, if you can get them to do that, then sure. Like, yeah. Uh, Ekman Larson is, you know, he'd be your, 
number two defenseman, maybe. Maybe even top battle for number one. For, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't think you. I don't think it'd be with McAvoy. I think it'd be with probably Carlo. But maybe they could. You know, I mean, again, it's up to Kevin Dean and Bruce Cassidy. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you look at their interest in him, and it, it's tough to view a trade working out for the Bruins without putting on kind of the rose-colored glasses, right? Because I think you look at the underlying numbers and the metrics, and there's reason to be concerned, but. I think maybe it's viewed more from them as the the eye test, and they. Oh, I'm putting go. on my rose-colored glasses. Go. That's what you I'm do when you to, to see. That's that's what you should do when we have to give takes that are like fully all on board with the Bruins, like nailing a trade is just. Oh my God, Don Trader Don, he's always right. <laughs> Trader Don Sweeney's always right. It's a great deal for the Bruins. Go bees. I like as someone. Uh, I think it was Spoke Z on Twitter was saying that it's good that our like impressions of like rabid Bruins fans or ones who are unrealistic are. Just our voices more nasally. It's like, oh, that's all. That's the. the oh my god! Yeah, that's all it again. Is. He's such a great dealer. <laughs> oh, we gave we gave up. Uh, we gave up Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, and David Pasternak for eight million dollars of Oliver Ekman Larson. The Bruins are winning the cup <laughs> the next five years. We we just do our impressions of Joe Castiglione. We want to sound like like authentic. This is Joe Castiglione yeah. on the Red Shocks Radio Network. <laughs> yeah. That's that is Joe Castiglione. Yeah, it's like Joe Castiglione with like Peter Griffin. Falling um, out of his chair. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> oh my god, they give Eggman Larson. Whoa! <laughs> but it's like that's the thing, right? Is you look at how I think maybe the Bruins view Ekman Larson, and it's maybe more along the lines of the eye test of you get him out of Arizona, you get him out of that spot, you go to Boston where he's not the guy like he is in Arizona. Um, he's not the guy who's going to be leading your team, right? He's not the the guy who in the next two years is probably going to be your best defenseman if Charlie McAvoy continues to develop. So, and again, he's with a, a new system and a creative coach in, in Bruce Cassidy that hopefully it kind of re-energizes him. And I, I don't know if he's, they're hoping that he's going to go back to the guy he was where he's scoring like 20 goals and, you know, averaging like 24, 25 minutes a night. But if he's a step above what he's playing now, which is still a good defenseman, and becomes just a, maybe you know, go back to fringe all-star caliber. I mean, that could go a long way, especially if he improves kind of just the overall, you know, he's, he's a bit of a better overall player than Tory Krug is. Um, so I think that's how the Bruins are viewing it. It's just, I think what Arizona is willing to make in terms of concessions, because you hear all these reports and it's like Arizona doesn't want, you know, they want a, a lot in return. They want like a, a defenseman. They want young talent. They want a first round pick, which makes sense because they don't want, um, cause they don't have any first round pick next year. Makes sense. But yeah, it's, I mean, they want that, but also they don't want to retain any salary. It's like, what? All right. You well, you're being unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, it's like, uh, Arizona, you, they think they have a lot of leverage here, but do they really? Because let's no. think about this. No. They, they're in cap hell. They're in, we're in a salary cap, flat cap era. And there's only a few teams bidding for Oliver ekman Lassen because so few teams have the cap space necessary to even be players for him and take on that contract. Even in Vancouver, like, they're interested, but how many bad contracts has Jim Benning signed in Vancouver? Like, if Vancouver gets that deal done, it's because they're taking back bad contracts in return. It's not like the Bruins who could take on that contract. They just want, you know, they want some salary retention to help out just in terms of being able to get more guys. But Arizona, like shouldn't be the ones to think they have a lot of leverage here. Like you have to get real and be realistic in terms of um, doing what you can. Cause I think Arizona's prerogative is just to get 
that money off the book. So if you get a, a majority of it off and you just shave off two, two and a half million, yeah, you, you're going to, you're going to hold, you know, hold steady and not do that deal just because you want that full contract off the books. Like you have to get real if, if you want that money off. So, and so whether it's that or even, I mean, we can talk about, when we talk about Rask, but maybe it's a situation where the Bruins get a bigger deal out of it, where, you know, if we're giving up or we're chaining the salary, we better get, another player involved with it. Like, you know, Darcy Kemper, that goalie there makes a lot of sense. Like Arizona can't be, you know, holding the line here and thinking that they're going to get, uh, you know, robbed in a deal like this. Cause their prerogative here is just to get that money off the book. So you have to get real and make some concessions. Cause if you think the Bruins are going to give up a first and DeBrusque or all that, or anything along those same lines, plus take on that full contract, like you're crazy. It's a 29 year old guy in Ekman Larson. Like get real. The Bruins to get most of David Backus's money off the books, they had to give up a first round pick with it. Like, yeah, to give up to to free up salary space is not cheap. And I think you're right. The Coyotes, it's like, have you done a deal before? Like, do you know that you're the guy you're trying to give up has like one of the most non palatable contracts in the league? So yeah. it's one of those things where. And the other thing is, he's the captain in Arizona. I, would he, he, I don't think he'd get an A here, at least to start. I don't think he would. I don't think he'd get a letter. Um, I, I, I don't think he would. But it does make me think the Bruins, with Krug leaving, mm-hmm. I think they do worry about the power play. I do think they, they, they want that power play to still be good. Ekman Larson would probably be the quarterback for it, I would imagine. Um, his power play numbers have been, you know, a lot of his points have come off the power play in Arizona. Uh, now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm familiar with the Arizona power play. I'm not. I can't imagine it's very good. Um, so, I, I do wonder if they are worried about the power play. And I do wonder if they're also worried that uh, maybe the Bruins are thinking, maybe we need another top tier guy. You know, Chara fell out of that role a few years ago. You know, they had crew who was kind of a fringe top type defenseman. You get Ekman Larson. He's a little bit more set than, than Krug is, I guess, in that regard. And you have McAvoy as well. So maybe they feel better about that. I just, it's the money. It's the money that gets me on this. Yeah. They can find a way to make this cheaper. If they can find a way to get Arizona yeah. to bite the bullet and retain it, then it's then it, well, okay. You know? Yeah, if it's, if it's retained money and you're paying $6 million for them or it's they take on John Moore's contract, which if you subtract, you know, the 275 from, you know, what the 8.25 million is from Ekman Larson, it, you know, it evens out to like a $5.5 million cap hit in terms of what you'd be taking on for Ekman Larson, which is – Fine, but even if it's just retained salary, if you get Ekman Larson for six, six and a half million, I think you have to be at least happy with that and have the hopes that I think the Bruins would have that being in a new system uh, kind of gives him a, a second second wind and um, he can go back to being the player he is. And that very well could be the case. It's not, you know, something that I think is totally sound just in terms of you're hoping that just a change of scenery can make a player elevate his game at 29, but I mean, crazier things have happened, but it's all about, I think just that salary. Cause if it's 8.25 million, either you're not giving up a whole lot for it, which I don't think Arizona is going to budge on, or um, there's going to be other stuff going your way that makes that more palatable. Cause that, I mean, that for that player is way too much. Well, it, it, the thing is, I mean, you just look at his numbers, you look at his advanced, his, at his advanced stats from not going to read off. It's a podcast. I, like I'm not going to sit here and read off Corsi fours and high danger chances for numbers, but um, they're all average. They're all extreme. Some, most are below average. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of his, you know, just normal goals, points, assists, 
not exact, you know, average. They're, you know, they're, they're average. And for his money, it's just, it's clear he's not worth that money, at least in Arizona. Again, he could come here and in Boston and be spectacular. You know, we have no idea. You know, Cassidy and, and Dean um, are better with offensive-minded uh, defensemen than it appears Arizona is. Uh, so who knows? You mentioned Tuga Rask, and there was also some stuff about Rask um, that, the, that uh, the Bruins have – or Sweeney's reached out to teams to start conversations to say, hey, what do you think my goalie's worth? Um, and uh, it was also uh, talked about – Frank Saravalli Cer- uh, talked about it in his TSN trade bait column. And Craig Custance the day before said it in the athletic uh, that teams think that this is the time for Rask. Now there's a couple takeaways to think of this. I mean, number one, he has a year left on his deal. Most GMs shop guys who have a year left. They at least put their toe in the water, you know, say, what's what's the price for this guy? Mm -hmm. This feels like could happen. I mean, it's, this doesn't feel, this is, I don't think it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, Sweeney's just playing around. I think Mm -hmm. this, this, this could actually manifest itself. Yeah, I mean, it, again, I don't think Don Sweeney and the Bruins would be doing their due diligence that they weren't gauging kind of what his value would be out on the open market. And it makes for an interesting kind of, uh, you know, scenario and decision for the Bruins because, I mean, one, you have to evaluate what his value would be, uh, what you'd realistically get for him. Because um, if this team really is trying to completely reshuffle its roster and you bring in Ekman Lassen and, you know, you, you trade Rask and maybe, by trading Rask, you get that $7 million cap hit off the books. Maybe all of a sudden, you know, you'd have to tinker with the money because you're dealing with the Ekman Larson contract, but maybe whether it's, you know, retaining the salary from Ekman Larson or what have you, they all of a sudden have cap space to be a player for Taylor Hall or something like that by removing Rask cap hit. So it's one of those ones where you look at it. And I, I think that would mostly only come if they had more plans further down the line in the off season. But um, it all, I think hinges on one, um, what value you'd get for him. Because I don't think you're just selling off your, you know, franchise goalie, your Vesna runner-up for, for nothing, you know, or just, you know, a draft pick or two. Um, but then also it's for the Bruins, I mean, not breaking any new ground here, but trading your franchise goalie is a tremendous risk, uh, especially if you really want to contend again this year and you know, beyond that. I don't know what the future is for Rask here once his contract expires, but if you're making a deal like that and trading off Rask, you better have uh, someone waiting in the wings to, to take over that spot. A guy who you think, whether it's maybe a guy who would fare better with a more structured defense in front of him, kind of like how Halak was. I mean, Halak was getting lit up when he was with the Islanders back when the defense was dreadful before Barry Trotz and them came around and goes into the system and he's already a talented goalie, but you put him with a structured defensive structure, you know, group in front of him, then it works out, you know, and his numbers, you know, rebound. Um, so if the Bruins are trading Rask, you have to get, uh, you know, you can't go into next year with Halak being the number one and Vladar or, you know, just a, another kind of like random guy, like a, you know, uh, like a Chad Johnson, right? Or a guy like that who you just picked yes. up. That, I mean, all all respect to Chad Johnson was fantastic that one year he was here. But, like, if you're really going for a legitimate run at it, you can't have Halak be your number one and just a guy who you're going to roll with, see if he's he's doing well. I mean, the Bruins have thrived off of having, off of having you know, two legitimate goalies that can go back and forth and spell one another. So whether that's, you know, I don't know on the free agent market who you're going to be dropping money on, but, again, if you look at, Oliver Ekman Lassen, if it's a deal that you include more assets and you get a guy like Darcy Kemper back, who 
Uh, you know, his underlying numbers look promising as being a guy who turns down a lot of those high danger shots. He's 30 years old. Um, you know, he's under contract for the next two years at four and a half million. So you save some money there. So that that's a route they could take if they're going for a bigger deal to get Ekman Larson. Um, so, you know, there's a whole bunch of options. This, this scenario can go 85 different directions, right? But if you're trading to the Rask, then um, you better have a, a good backup plan because the, the whole season can go to shit really quick if you don't strike gold with whoever you get to replace him. And I, again, it's, you're, you're taking on a whole lot of risk there. And maybe the end result, you know, if you trade Rask and everyone's freaking out, but then you roll into next year and you have Kemper and Halak and you have Ekman Larson and you, you know, you have the cap space to get a guy like Hall, then I think you're fine with it, right? You're, you're fine with it. You're just Rask. like, you're the best. It's like the best of the Coyotes. You're yeah, like, yeah, you're like yeah. a like a best right. of episode, right. just like the Arizona Coyotes with the current Boston Bruins. Right. Have fun, Tuca. Have fun in Arizona, buddy. Goodbye. Right. Like yeah. that would be like that. That'd be kind of mean. I feel like to send your franchise oh, yeah. goalie and just like, yeah, go fun in Arizona. But but, but um, that's also that's the challenge too. Is just finding out what his value is because you also have to take a look at this market and. Uh, for as much as this whole free agent market is top heavy, especially when you look at the, you know, beyond the Petrangelos and Krugs and, and Halls, kind of takes a, a bit of a dip after that. But if you're in the market for a goaltender, it's the best free agent market in a long, long time, right? So whether it's the guys who are, you know, available, like as a, a backup, maybe like Lundqvist, but, you know, with, um, you know, Robin Leonard, who I don't know if he's going to resign with Vegas, you know, it's been rumored. Markstrom, you know, Holpe, someone's going to sign him, even though I think he was garbage last year. But there's a whole bunch of guys out there. There's a whole bunch of guys that teams could, could uh, you know, sign that wouldn't require uh, trading someone. So I think it's a very specific kind of team that would probably want Rask that would pay what the Bruins are looking for. Like um, maybe like Colorado maybe as a team that, you know, is young, already has, you know, a pretty good – a great core in place, but maybe they want that elite goaltender that puts them over the top. Maybe that's a team that you can strike out a deal with that, uh, you know, would help the avalanche. You go to a good team and you get probably, they have a whole you know bunch of picks and prospects. So that could be a, a move that works, but it's a very specific group because I feel like a lot of teams that maybe need an upgrade at, at the goaltender position, they'd be like, all right, well, I'm not going to take Rask one year left at 7 million when I can sign a bunch of other guys and it's like relief pitchers is like what goalies are half the time too, is you just don't know what you're going to get. So it is a whole bunch of different factors you have to weigh when viewing whether or not, you know, Rask is a realistic trade target and what the return would be for him. Hey, the Canadians are looking to offer up their 16th overall pick. So Tuka to Montreal, anybody? I mean, come on, I carry price. Yeah. The, the thing with Rask, I think dealing him again, slippery slope, you know, if you feel that, you know, you're going to, you want, you, you think you're a legit Stanley Cup contender uh, in 2020-21 season. Uh, I think you, you, you keep him. But again, if you, if you can get a good return for him and you have a starting goalie lined up, whether that be in a trade or free agency, then sure. I mean, like, again, the scenario you give up, you know, if you get Kemper in return in a deal and if Rask goes to Arizona or if you trade Rask in a separate deal, you're saving money. Kemper's nasty. Mm-hmm. Why not? You know, I mean, why not? With Halak behind him, you know, try it. Give it a shot. You know, maybe it'll work. So, um, again, Rask has a year left on his deal. If you can get something for him and you don't believe that he's the, your guy or you don't believe the team's ready, then you got to deal him. It sucks. And, you know, people don't want to see it happen. But 
Well, some people do. Some people don't. Yeah. Whatever. So I think it'll really come down to circumstance. Um, and I think it's it's funny. I put out a poll yesterday on the Bruins CLNS Twitter account saying, you know, what do you want the Bruins to do with Rask? Trade him or not? And the main reaction was, it depends on circumstance. Like, yeah. that's really what it comes down to. So I feel like with Rask, it's not one of those like, oh, the Bruins have to trade him or, oh, the Bruins can't. It's just really circumstance-driven. No. Um, I, I mean, I, I think it's, again, you trade him, your goaltending – core is not as good as it was this year or last year but if it's a scenario where we're still able to have a, a good group there whether it's Kemper or another guy and you can still uh you know have a reliable guy back there but by trading Rask you can acquire other assets that help you out in other areas that you need to improve in whether it's five and five scoring then maybe it's worth it but there's a whole bunch of things to weigh with it it's you can go it a whole bunch of different ways well I'll tell you something that is worth it that's going to bet us, Connor. Tell the people why bet us is worth it. Listen up, sports bettors. This is Connor Ryan here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's bet us. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back. That means it's time to get down your bets. I only endorse one sports book, and that's betus.com. Why do you ask? It's because bet us is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the business. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity. You need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sportsbook that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, entertainment, and all kinds of crazy prop bets and futures. No one in the industry gives you bigger bonuses than BetUS. So go to BetUS.com now and fill out your information. It only takes a minute. When you get to the How Did You Hear About Us box, type in Boston Sports Journal, and you get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. No one beats that. I bet at BetUS, and so should you. So join BetUS today, and don't forget, type in Boston Sports Journal to get up to 150% bonus on your first deposit. That's BetUS.com. BetUS.com. Go there now. All right, so the other pe- another piece of news that was dropped on Thursday was the Bruins and Oilers were discussing an Anders Bjork, Alex Chase on one-for-one winger swap. Um, this didn't make a lot of sense to me uh, <laughs> at all, and I don't think this made sense to anybody. I, brain. I don't get it. I didn't really understand it. You know, you're basically sending a guy with pretty good five-on-five offensive potential to Edmonton and getting a proven fringe third-line winger uh, in return. I didn't – and he costs more as well. Didn't really make a lot of sense from a Bruce perspective. No, I mean, I think a guy like Andrews Bjork has some value in this trade market, especially where, again – he was a bit of a mixed bag this year, but I think you look at for a guy who was pretty much finishing his first full season, right? I mean, the last two years before it was kind of up and down anyway, and going between Providence and Boston. And then he has two shoulder surgeries. So this last year was just kind of his first full season and maybe he didn't finish as much as you would expected, but he still did a pretty good job of driving play, you know, being defensively responsible, working on his overall game. And you hope that, you know, next year and beyond, he can be a more consistent guy where he gives you you know, 15 goals and, you know, 40 points or something as a, you know, a middle six guy. I think he, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he can do that, right? You look at his skill set um, and then you factor in too his age and the fact that this new contract where he's under contract, you know, for the next three years for under 2 million, that is a valuable trade shift, especially now in the NHL where I think so many teams are going to be hesitant to spend money where they're worried about this flat cap and when it's going to jump up again. Um so, again, the Bruins could keep in his Bjork and be totally fine there and put him next to Coyle and hope he develops as he should. Or if you 
are going to trade him, you could probably get a good return for him, whether it's a, you know, a one for one, which you'd probably get, you know, someone who's better than Chayasan or in a package for a bigger deal, but trading a guy like him, who's, uh, you know, with Chayasan, who's 29, it's more expensive. Uh, you, you look at the, the, the tail of the tape, right. And Chayasan's six foot four. It's like, no, what, this what, isn't. Did, did you say he's six go. four? He's, he's, he's six four and he's 240 pounds. Oh, put him on a line with Nick Ritchie and Sean Corrali and God help the other team. Well, like, this is the thing is like, yeah, he's six four, but like, so it was just like Jimmy Hayes and like, was Jimmy Hayes a physical guy or, you know, he's not like a, you know, you look at Alex Chiasone, I think he, uh, he had 13 more hits than Andrews Buick. Like, that's not the kind of player he is. He's a big body, but he's not a guy that's going to knock guys around. And again, can we stop, like, getting just these big guys who, who knock people around? Like, I will take Blake Coleman, who's 5'11", but plays hard, you know, gets involved up to the whistle, than just a big dude who's just knocking people over. Like, that's not how, you know, people think that the NHL now, where it's so focused on speed and skill that you need to – get these big dudes back. It's like, no, you just got to find that mix of a guy like a Josh Anderson or Blake Coleman. These guys who are fast can score and, you know, getting a chase on just because he's big makes no sense because one, he's not that kind of player. And two, I don't know where he would fit over here other than the fact he's right winger. But even then, I mean, his one, you know, this previous year, you know, 2018-19 in Edmonton, he has 22 goals. But you take that one year out of it, he's only averaged about, I think, 10.5 goals over his other six, I think, full seasons of the NHL. And shocking, the one year we had 22 goals, he played over 500, five on five minutes with Leon Dreisaitl. Like, no shit. If he's going to be playing with him for the entire year, of course, like, his offense is going to jump up a bit. And listen, the Bruins have a great, uh, you know, pipeline of, of talent, you know, at the center position going from – Bergeron, Krejci, Coyle, Corrali, none of those guys are likely on dry sidle. So I don't know if you think you're putting any of those guys next chase on with any of them is going to lead to him having another renaissance season. That's the thing. I mean, that I could totally see that being one of those deals where two years down the line, you're looking at it, you're going, oh, Chase on's a fringe fourth liner, gets sat some nights, didn't really fit. Anders Burke went to Edmonton, though, and now he's a 25-goal scorer a year. So it feels like that would be the kind of thing that would happen. I feel like Bjork also would work well with a guy like dry sidle or McDavid. I mean, anybody would, but yeah. I feel like I could see Bjork them saying, Hey, you know what? We're going to spend, you know, 1.6 or whatever it is Bjork's making. We're going to put him as a second line, right winger, sort of like what Pittsburgh did with Crosby and Malkin to win those last two championships where they put cheap guys on the wings and they worked. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing out of Edmonton was Edmonton wanted to trade for Jake DeBrusque. And uh, at face value, you think, well, you know, maybe DeBrusque would be a better package deal for a, uh, for a better player. You know, if you package DeBrusque with something else for someone who is legitimately better, uh, maybe a top four defenseman, then sure, you know, what's wrong with that? But the more I think about it, um, they have a lot of fringe top six guys. You know, mm-hmm. you've got Kasha, you've got DeBrusque, you've got Bjork, you've got, God forbid I say it, Nick Ritchie. You know, you have those guys. You also have, and people, we forget about him all the time, when thinking about next year's rosters, Jack Stanika, you know, mm-hmm. Stanika looked good enough in the postseason that he warrants a spot somewhere in that, in the, in the, on the top three lines where I'm not sure yet. You know, I think they might start him on the second line if, if DeBrusque isn't there, but with having St- having Kasha there, and I don't think the Bruins want to immediately trade Kasha away because that doesn't really look too great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't want to give up Stanika because his value is so high. 
Bjork seems like a chip for a bigger piece. He's also pretty cheap. DeBrusque might ask for a lot. Would it be a terrible – I don't think it would be a terrible idea to give up DeBrusque for a first-round pick because I think you could potentially get him for a first. And you need a first-round pick. You have a lot of fringe top six wingers. Do you give up DeBrusque for a first? I mean, I, I think you only give up DeBrusque if you're getting a legitimate uh, NHLer back that fills a hole, whether it's a top four defenseman. And maybe it'd be part of a package. Like, I don't know if trading DeBrusque one for one gets you a guy who's going to play. Um, it gives you a guy who's going to play 20 plus minutes a night, right? Like, I don't think you're getting, maybe not getting that. Um, maybe you have to include, you know, DeBrusque in another prospect or something like that. Um, but I, I think you look at DeBrusque and we all know the, the shtick with DeBrusque of that, you know, he's hot and cold. Um, again, it remains to be seen how much he wants this year as an RFA, which I think could probably go a long way into determining where the Bruins are, you know, like, all right, we, we can't, we can't do this. Like we've got to, we got to save some money and go out and get more guys. So that might dictate what they do, but I think you only trade DeBrusque if, you're, you know, someone offers you a, a left shot D or, or, or just anyone on the blue line or, or something like that, that makes you a better team and addresses a need because I, as much as he's inconsistent and much as he can drive you crazy, I still think, you know, trading a guy like him just because he's inconsistent or cause you're hoping that a guy like Bjork breaks through. Um, it just seems like one of those classic, like cutting your nose off to spite your face kind of things where, all right, it's not like he's a guy who's, you know, coasting or has a bad attitude, something like that. Like he, he gets in these like ruts, but like, you know, I'm not going to trade that guy just for the sake of getting draft capital when, you know, he came, he almost scored 30 goals as a 23 year old guy. Um, and you know, that he didn't have a, a full kind of consistent line, especially before Kasha showed up. So Again, you run into the risk of then, you know, in 2025, you know, when I'm like 30, 32 and we're on this podcast and it's me being like, this is going to be the year to brush. I don't know why he sounded old when I'm 32, but like, Say what? yeah, like this, this is going to be the year he's going to break through. He's sitting on 28 goals again, but you know, he's going to be a perennial 30 goal scorer. But, um, again, I think you only trade DeBrusque if you're getting, uh, a player back that, really helps out your team because man, if you're reloading and you're trading players for first round picks or draft capital, it would make more sense than to trade Rask and Krejci and these other guys, as opposed to trading your 23 year old winger who again has to be more consistent, but are you going to wave the white flag on him at this age? Um, unless you're getting a, 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 you know, a defenseman back or maybe another top six guy that I think is better fit, for you know the Bergeron line and the Krejci line, then I think you do it. But I don't think it's a move you take kind of lightly because I still think there's a lot of value there, especially at five on five, which we know he hasn't really gelled on the power play as a net front guy, but he's probably one of your more consistent five on five guys and need guys there. So um, again, I, I only make a move like that if you're getting a return that helps out your team immediately and in an area that you really need help in. Yeah, but what if they take his money that he's that's going to be freed up if they did trade him for a first round pick? And what if they took that and signed someone who was consistent? Like, I think then I, I don't see the problem with that. I mean, if you know, Debrusco probably make four on this deal, 
So let's say you give up giving $4 million to someone like DeBrusque. And I like DeBrusque, the player. I really do. I, I have nothing against DeBrusque. It's just his name's being floated around. Mm-hmm. And if they were to trade someone, he's co- he's going to cost you money. He's in, Again, the, the consist- I think the inconsistency will go away at some point. I don't think this is something mm-hmm. that's going to like mar his career. Um, but if you did free up that money and then go out and that gives you enough, you know, gives you something to sign, you know, if it was someone like Taylor Hall – or, mm-hmm. you know, someone else who's a, you know, a little bit better than DeBrusque. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of an outside the box way to get your top six better. I don't yeah, think that's I, a horrible thing. I think it's along the same lines as the Rask thing, where if you make a move like that, that has a lot of risk, you better, better as hell have a, a, a plan down the line that, you know, it's like if, if the Bruins trade Rask today and they don't get, let's say they get Ekman, Larson and Kemper in a mega deal, uh, thir- like next Thursday, and we're just waiting it with the Bruins without like a number one goalie. And we're like, what are what are we doing here? Like it's they had a plan in place, right? But these trades just don't. You don't knock them out in one day like you play an NHL twenty franchise mode and you just make all the trades and you know yes, you do, like, you do all yeah. at once. <laughs> but like if you look at trading DeBrusque, like okay, you trade DeBrusque and you don't really have a, a backup plan. Let's say it's just DeBrusque for a first round pick. I don't think anyone's going to be like, okay, uh, they're you know, they'll be fine with just sliding guys up. Everyone would probably be like, oh, shit, they're rebuilding or they're doing, like, a big teardown. But you trade DeBrusque and you free up cap with the Rask trade and all of a sudden you end up with Taylor Hall as your second line left wing with Krejci. Then you're like, okay, this all worked out well. So it all depends on what the end result is this offseason because if you, you know, again, trade DeBrusque and get that money that he's going to get this offseason off the books and it leads to Hall, then yeah. But if it's a, a trade that just gets you a first-round pick and then all of a sudden you're going to this training camp being like, oh, this could be the year that maybe Bjork is ready to step forward. It's like, no, we can't – if you guys are le- legitimately serious about contending again, we can't have this thing where every training camp we go in being like, uh, we preach internal competition and where this is going to be the year that they're going to have the right to compete for a spot like that, like Bjork and Sidney. It's like, no, I, you need more legitimate guys set in stone there. You, if you're If you're being serious about contending again, uh, being a legitimate team that's going to be near the finish line. You can't have these younger guys just crossing your fingers, hoping that they're going to break through. You know, you need more legitimate talent there. They're, 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 they're going to go against each other in, in these practices, and they're going to make each other better. That is how this is going to work. I mean, That's like how it has been the past few years. Yeah, and like maybe this is the year they find like Bjork consistently breaks out, and maybe Sidnika is like a, a Calder contender. That's great. That'd be awesome, but I'd rather them do that and light up like the third line. Then all of a sudden you have the risk of them, you know, being guys you have to count on as top six players, right? That's not conducive to a team that wants to make a run at it. Maybe they're super confident, Sanika, you know, and we'll look back on it and be like, well, we're dummies for freaking out about getting a guy like Hall or Palmieri when Sanika has 50 points as a, as a rookie. I don't think that's realistic to go through. I have to get my sunglasses to make an argument like that. But Oh, oh like, someone said yeah. the rose-colored glasses. Yeah. Jack Sanika's 60 <laughs> points this year. But like, I like the to- Bruins media who were last year being like, Stanika's got to be in the top six going into the 2019-20 season. It's like he weighs, yeah, it's like, he's a, he weighs 150 pounds. Like, let him play one year down in Providence. It'll be fine. Let him develop. Why yeah. Like, why are you pushing him through? Yeah, you, all, all you idiots, when Jack Stanika's going to be – Why is he like – like, well, you're doing like a Trump now. Are you going like the – He's going to be so great when you go to the NHL. You're going to look like – 
idiots. Yes. The fake news podcast of poke the bear. No, I mean that is essentially what I picture when I. But but no, yeah. um, it's funny if the Bruins did like trade away DeBrusque for first round pick, especially now, Bruins fans would flip, like flip. Because if if the Bruins came out tomorrow and said, you know. We're just we need to rebuild. <laughs> like this Boston would go up in flames. Flames. And they shouldn't rebuild. They don't need to. But uh you're right. If they traded DeBrusque for first and then waited like three weeks to make a subsequent move to bolster the top six, like people would lose their shit. Um and it would be funny to watch, but also be like, damn, what's this team doing? Like the news yesterday, I mean, I didn't hear any talk of the Bruins uh of the Coyotes retaining any of the money for OEL. So look at that and I go, that's not great by the Bruins. Trading Rask, uh, give or take, that's, that's, depends on the circumstance. Bjork for Chiasen, terrible. And DeBrusque, you know, trade, I don't know what they get back for, from Edmonton for that. Also not great. So people, a lot of people's reaction, and I agree, was like, what's Sweeney like doing with this? Mm-hmm. So there's gotta be some bigger plan. There's gotta yeah. be something that they're trying to do. And it's hard to get a read on it because if they're trading to Brust, you would think, well, maybe they're rebuilding. But if they're going for Ekman Larson, then Yeah, I mean, I don't think if if they're doing all these moves, I, I agree with what you said that I don't think it's just doing a one or two player upgrade and just rolling out the same team. Like, I don't think you're rolling into next year and it's Ekman Larson, you know, with, with Kahlo, McAvoy, Grizzlick, and then it's Kasha on the second line and Richie in the third line. Like, you can't roll out that crew again with just uh, just adding one more guy. I think if you're getting Ekman Larson, taking on that contract or what have you and moving pieces around, it's, I think, part of a bigger retooling on the fly. So, again, I, it's going to be weird during this offseason because, again, these moves all don't just roll out all at once unless it's, you know, free agency. Usually a lot of those signings are announced. But, um it's going to be one where I think we're going to be a couple of podcasts where we look at just one move that's made and be like, uh, this could fit, but I don't know what the hell is going to happen the next couple of days, right? It's going to be kind of one of those situations. The wild off season. And it's yes. already started to be wild. Uh, Connor, before we uh, head out, or is there anything you're working on that you would like to promote? Yeah, well, we got a busy week ahead of us, right? With the start of free agency at the end of, at the end of next week. And we got the NHL draft. Burns still didn't have a first round pick. Yet, maybe. We'll see what happens. But even if they don't, we still have uh, coverage of all the other subsequent rounds where they could pick up uh, talent. And what is viewed as, I think, a pretty deep draft, especially in some areas that the Bruins could use some help, especially, like, as maybe guys on the wing. Um, so we have a f- full breakdown of that. We can have you guys the Bruins might target. And, um, you know, we'll have all that over at Boston Sports Journal, BSJ. So subscribe there. You can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Yeah, the Bruins should go for Lafayette. Um, <laughs> and with that, we will sign off. Connor Ryan, I'm F. Marinovsky. This has been Poke the Bear Episode 10 brought to you by BetUS. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah.